Welcome to the Techmo Podcast, where we talk all things tech and startup in the Denton community. My name is Kyle Taylor. And I'm David Bruno. Let's get started. Welcome to the Techmo Podcast, uh, where we talk all things tech and startup here in the Denton community. And today we're talking with Julie James, uh, which I, you have so many titles. I'm not going to like list them out. We'll we'll leave that to the story. Okay, uh, <laughs> or we'll make it a mystery. We will make it a mystery. Um, so, all right, uh, David, let's kick it off. Yeah. So our first question is always some variety of how did you get to Denton or why did you choose Denton, whichever one you would find more interesting. Uh, a little bit of both, I guess. I was looking, I was teaching part-time at Arizona State University. I teach journalists design and game design. Um, and I was working part-time at the Center for Games and Impact, which was in the Teachers College. So my colleagues were putting games in K-12 through education and studying um, both for pre-service teacher training as well as to put games designed around particular curriculums. So like for water quality science, for middle school age kids, they could go in and do a, an investigation in a 3D environment. So they were doing that. And I came to support them and do some web content development and support their website. And I was also very interested in um, a partnership with the journalism school there. So we built a curriculum to teach journalists um, game design. And then I was teaching part-time and kind of like trying to figure out how could I do this full-time? How could I do this, you know, all the time and Arizona was like, well, we have all the people to do all of the things already and we like what you're doing. So um, that wasn't good enough for me. I wanted to do it full time and I was looking around the country. My best friend from high school lives in Keller, Texas. So I mm. knew there was University of North Texas, but I really didn't know anything about Denton or any of that <laughs> yet. Um, and uh, and I guess it was on a Facebook post or something. You know, you're, you're in all these Facebook communities. So there's one for like journalism educators and what's going on and we're hiring and so there's this university of north texas so it wasn't a total like foreign like i was kind of familiar with the space but back then right so if you're not from texas you think dfw and you think like dallas fort worth and it's not like this big giant region right like it's just like everything is right there and i always go to dallas and um but it turns out university of north texas is in denton <laughs> um so i applied for the job they were looking for somebody to teach design not necessarily game design, um, but I had that whole thing and I was kind of hoping like I could teach journalists full time and maybe I could still do the game design thing if these people were, if they were crazy enough or at least if they were like willing to let me be that crazy. And they totally were. So um, so that's what happened. I applied for the job, went through kind of the interview process. I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I wasn't sure if they were really interested in the whole games thing. And they said, yes, we want you to come here. And by the way, we really want you to do the games thing here. <laughs> so I was like, score. Um, and that brought me to DFW before I knew what Tenton was. And I got here and I found uh, this awesome school and this lovely community and... Um, and this whole like sort of really cool tech creative culture thing happening up here that actually doesn't happen um, where I live, which is closer to Fort Worth near my friend um, <laughs> in Keller, which is a great place. And like I love that I get all of that there, but I really love coming up here, being part of this community and teaching um, journalists up here. Yeah. I think it's funny whenever people like fly into DFW and like if you've never been to Texas before, it's like 
It's nowhere near Dallas. It's, <laughs> yeah, everybody <laughs> thinks they're going to Dallas. It's, they're it's just so going far to this. out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so you just like pick up your whole life from Arizona and just moved to Denton. How long have you been in Denton now? Come up on two years. Man, two years. Yeah. That's that's not very long. Yeah. No, it's not. I finally <laughs> feel like I'm like you think. I grew up in the army. Mm. So army brat, move all over. You just get there, you get settled. And I had no idea what it really took to do that. Like what my parents really did to make our home everywhere we went. (laughs) So I was like, oh yeah, I'll just pick up and we'll just move our whole family and we'll do this. And I'm realizing that I just finally feel like I'm home. Mm -hmm. It took a while to get there. Awesome. Mm -hmm. That's cool. So, So you came here to do this program. And is it something that is new to UNT and like that you get to create everything from scratch or like how like how did that roll out the design curriculum is not new they've been teaching journalists um design by design I mean sort of intro to like illustrator and photoshop and indesign and how to use those programs and to do that for uh various media goals but the game design thing was new there's only a couple of um schools journalists have been playing with games probably for like 10 or 12 years or so like as they grow in exploring emerging media and interactive media and interactive storytelling but there's only a couple of schools that are sort of teaching or that have been doing the um, game design curriculum for journalists for a couple years so we built one in arizona um they do it in uh, at American University in DC, although they have kind of a graduate student focus. And so I was really interested in training the undergraduate students because they're like going out and sort of my whole take on disrupting journalism is to make all of these crazy news game designers and put them out in the world and <laughs> hope they get jobs. And that kind of is will change our industry. We'll see what happens. But um, but anyway, yeah, so they didn't really, they weren't teaching game design to journalists specifically, and I brought what I built in Arizona and brought it here. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, uh, so me being a design idiot, you know, person, right, what does the tooling look like when you're teaching uh, journalism students like like design? Is it is it more design aspects and less technical, or how much of it plays into a kind of a technical role as well? Um, I think for my students, it becomes an entry point into technical. So we start with tabletop game design. And I have um, built a series of slightly broken tabletop games, like it's cards and dice, and then pick some journalism news topic. Like a couple years ago, I made one um, when Lance Armstrong first sort of admitted to the world where he was at with his whole doping scandal. So I made this game called Dope Strong, and it was kind of like, (laughs) all right, Let's look at this competitive cyclist and let's hear his story and let's think about what would we really do if we were in those shoes. And so I made this like tabletop game for students to kind of play and see the game design process, um, what goes into it, and then also how to take and sort of change the game, mod the game around what you think the message of the game should be. Mm-hmm. And and so we do that. I give them like a framework that I've built out and then I give them some sort of brainstorming frameworks to kind of get the ideas going and then they have to build out their first tabletop games. From there, we go into um, digital tools, but usually like they haven't, 
my students a lot most of them thought tech is not for me mm -hmm. i don't math and i'm staying away from all of that stuff that's why i'm going to study english i'm going to study journalism i'm going to study design any of these other places and um what i like to do is sort of like introduce them to problem solving this way and finding these interesting things that they want to do so then when it comes to using a technical tool it's a little bit harder but you're you're pretty passionate about the thing that you're trying to do and so that makes you what i see is it makes them more willing to do the hard stuff but i we use a series of visual tools to do the game design when we get to the digital portion so i built an engine a couple years ago called story builder and it's almost like maybe wordpress meets um powerpoint slides meets uh <laughs> meets the web, meets interactive storytelling, so they can use that to make games. There's a couple other tools we use. There's one called Twine that lets you make interactive stories. Um, so the Story Builder lets you make games, and it's very linear, and you make some choices, and you have consequences, so you can make some choices that can affect your health meter, stuff like that. Um, Twine lets you make games that have like multiple endings, so you could write really complex stories that have lots of pathways to get through them, that kind of stuff. Um, what other tools are we using? Uh, Scratch, which is one that's popular in the education space mm -hmm. um, to teach kids coding by assembling like code blocks and sort of like making little scripts that do digital stuff without having to start with code. So that's Interesting. what we do. Yeah. Do you have a question? You look like you were leaning into one. <laughs> I was I was charging my pencil. <laughs> Isn't that weird? 2017, I'm charging my I'm pencil. Charging well, my and pencil. So, so I'm not charging it. I'm pairing it again because for some reason it lost the pairing. Now it writes again. So okay. Okay. I'm sorry to distract. So... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I guess, what got you into gaming? Then? Like, because it sounds like you have a pretty intense interest in it. If, if you're talking about tabletop games and designing, it's not just like, I want to do a game today. You had to put thought and planning and like something pushed you in that way. So, what brought you that direction? I think, I like to say, so sometimes when I'm really... Here I go. <laughs> Pointing away from the camera. Um, I like to say this. It's I was born the same year as Space Invaders, right? Like I grew up around the video game sort of um, industry and way it sort of like permeate, permeated society and changed to now. Like games are ubiquitous and they're everywhere. But um, but me and games we kind of grew up together. So I was playing Mario and playing Monopoly and, and kind of always enjoyed that. I think there's something in my personality that I really um, get into playing and having a good time. And even when I'm doing something hard or difficult or challenging, like that's sort of my orientation to it. Um, but I didn't know that I would ever do this, right? So then I went to go be like a serious journalist in the world and I was an army broadcaster and um, came back to, I was overseas for a little bit and came back to the States, was doing um, public communication or public information. And I found myself always looking at like the emerging media space, even though it was, you know, in journalism and nonprofit and really underfunded areas. So it was never like sexy tech. It was also, <laughs> it was always like, um, can, you know, can we make a website where we don't have to call somebody else to update the typo on our static HTML page? I'm like, yeah, I think I could figure that out. Right. And like, so then me and WordPress are developing our careers at the same time, like, you know, just starting to figure that out and empowering, um, anybody who is a persuasive communicator with some kind of message, like I'm attracted to that and I'm attracted to, um, spaces where people are working to, uh, 
to have positive social impact. So some of that's all happening in my career. And meanwhile, I'm at home, like my husband and I are dating and we're playing Zelda for 80 hours, but it's not connected yet, right? It's not connected yet. And then I, after a while, I was like, well, I'm gonna go to grad school. I kind of really like being in the academic space and I think I might like to teach, I'm not sure yet, but if I get a master's degree, um, surely that'll let me figure that out and probably benefit me either way even if I stayed in industry or if I went toward academia. And so I'm kind of doing that and I'm having a good time still looking at emerging media and I took this class, right? It's always that class, that one person or that thing that changes everything. So I took a class on the persuasive power of video games because I liked the professor and it kind of fit in my schedule and I needed an elective and it was the one, like it changed everything. In that class, um, it was pretty open. We all got to look at um, video games and games for change and games for good, you know, whatever way we wanted to. And so I found out there was this book and it's called News Games, Journalism at Play. And this guy had kind of like taken a look at um, at journalists making games, using games or games for journalism. So what do we have to learn from uh, the ways that commercial games are interesting and engaging and, um, and hugely profitable. Journalism needs some of those pro- <laughs> business models as well, all of that stuff. So that kind of came together and then I'm finishing grad school. So I do an applied project that's all about like gaming grad school and how can we bring sort of like that gaming orientation into graduate curriculum. Um, I submitted that and I think, all right, that was a lot of fun. I got to do that and now I'm gonna go get a regular job. Uh, so I'm looking around for a regular job and that's when I found the position that was open at the Center for Games and Impact at the Teachers College in Arizona and I thought, can I cuss? I was like, shit. <laughs> Could that really be real? Could I even get that job? Well, I'm gonna apply for it. So I applied for it and I got a job and then I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I get to tell people like that I'm gonna make games and even make games for journalism. That's how it all came together. And but then the rest is history. So once I started doing that and I got to do it a little bit, I was like, I want to do this all the time. Yeah. And that kind of led me to looking for a full time position and finding the position open at UNT and getting to come here and do it. So. So all the while while you you were you know a, you know went to grad school, you applied for this program, and then you got this job in Arizona. And at some point in time, you had started this other company thing right so so at what point in time did what's it called play playable media playable media so when mm-hmm. did playable media like kind of make its entrance in this process playable media grew up out of um i was at the center working with a woman named retha hill who is the innovation lab director at the journalism school at arizona state and um and the director, my colleague at the Center for Games and Impact Innovation Lab, so I was a manager in the lab, he was the director, and the three of us had been working on um, teaching journalists game design. And what we had really found was there's no, by the way, here's a newsflash, there's no game engine for journalists. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There are game engines out there, and some of them are more, you know, they're more or less technical, and they're more or less expensive. Sorry. (laughs) They, you know, there's the whole spectrum of them. And we had been looking at them and thinking, like, should we teach journalists a particular game engine? Should we look, you know, should we, should journalists always code their games independently? Like, what could we do? But we really were interested in finding the right one for journalists to teach them or to empower journalists to make some kind of game quickly over and over again. Um, For journalism, it has to be fast and it has to be cheap and it has to look really good. So 
we were struggling to find the engine that would let journalists do that in a way that's meaningful for journalism. So does it privilege um, verification? Does it privilege transparency? Does it privilege uh, some of the things that we think are really important, especially when you're exploring a new space? Um, because it's so easy, you get a lot of, we don't get this, and games will trivialize the news, and is this Call of Duty journalism warfare? Like, <laughs> no, it's really not. But we just thought, okay, so can we find some software? Can we make some software that will help us do this and do it in the right way? Um, we applied for a grant, none of us knowing that we were all about, well, Retha stayed in Arizona, but Adam left for California, and I left to come here. Um, for Texas, but we didn't know when we applied for this grant. We just there's the Knight Foundation funds a lot of journalism innovation, and we thought maybe they'll fund this kind of journalism innovation. So we did an application, and um, and while we're waiting, Adam's wife gets a job in California, and he goes with her to California, and I apply for this job here, and I find out I'm going to get this job here and move here in the fall, and we find out that we won the grant. <laughs> so we're like, okay, well we'll move and we'll build a prototype for the game engine and we'll get that done in six months um with with thirty five thousand dollars it's not really a lot of money but it's a prototype so we were like okay minimum viable product so i got to go through that whole exercise when we finished and we launched the engine we thought this is really cool we want to keep doing this um we want to see if we can get some newsrooms to make stories with this we kind of want to research and study the effectiveness of it can we build out a data right now you can make the game but we're really interested in sort of player experience data and what what can we do with it to take it to the next level but we're all not in arizona anymore so so we should start a business. So that's how Playable <laughs> Media was born. We decided to we decided to start a business, and we also had uh, you know that first client that's gonna sign that doesn't. Um, so, but we didn't know that at the time. It was totally worth it to start the business because we were like gonna just you know one two three. We were right before step three where the profit starts rolling. In. <laughs> um, so, but so and then so we formed the business a year ago and we've been working on the engine since and um and we have some promising prospects now we're kind of really interested in still exploring this space um playing with the idea of well if journalists are not always the one making their games might it be is there that need for a studio who really gets journalism and games to do it for them um there's nonprofit media organizations out there uh that contract to do innovation projects and that kind of thing so we're just kind of feeling that out to see what's next can i ask a stupid question Mm -hmm. well might be not might not be stupid but uh so i am a game development idiot right Mm -hmm. so when you when you say game engine and then you kind of described how it works like to me as like a web developer i'm like oh that's like an api or like an sdk or you know what? I don't actually know. Like, it sounds really like when you use the word engine, it sounds really complicated. Oh, sure. Is I like, it really, I like, like describing it like that. No, it's like <laughs> Microsoft Word, right? Like, it's a piece of software that lets you do something well. Word lets you word process. You can make lots of documents. They can be about all different kinds of things, but it does, you know, it's going to let you put that text together. It's going to let you organize that text and edit that text and share that text. That's what... Um, the story builder is our game engine. That's what the story builder does. If you can use, so for journalists, it looks like a content management system. 
It really feels like using WordPress. So if you, so it's really not sexy. If you, um, you're, you're really selling it here. <laughs> but if you're a content geek and you want to make a game, this is the game engine for you, right? Because it looks like a content management system. It looks like something that you're familiar with and you hear, and I hear that a lot. That's the feedback as we were, um, trying to figure out what it should look like and putting it in front of journalists. That's what I heard was, oh, I could do this. There's a field for me to put text in. There's a button that I can click to upload an image and there's a save at the bottom. And then when I do this, I've made some choices. They're automatically hyperlinks, right? They're automatically connected to the meter and I can see the outcome of it instantly. So, um, so for teaching somebody something that they're not familiar with, right? I'm familiar with making content. I'm familiar with digital storytelling. And I'm familiar with um, all the other parts of journalism. And I'm interested in what games can do. Then Story Builder is going to let you kind of play with that and explore it. Cool. So um, so we also know you as kind of the chapter lead for this organization called Women Who Code. So um, what is, A, for, for the listeners, what is Women Who Code? And then, B, how did you get involved in that to begin with? Women Who Code is a global nonprofit. Our mission is to inspire women to um, stay in technology and to excel in leadership in technology career fields. Um, I came to Women Who Code. I start. I so when I was trying to figure out game engines in Arizona and building games in Arizona, I and and I was really looking at systems right to do something that didn't quite fit what I wanted them to do so I had this problem and I was looking for designers and developers and people that could help me solve this problem and I was constantly hearing well we could do it this way but maybe not that way or not this way and so I found that really frustrating and I just decided like if the system doesn't exist that you want make it (laughs) so So, but then really that's big. Um, So I'm in Arizona trying to figure out, like I'd I'd been familiar with HTML and CSS and what does this do and how to make a web page and using content management systems to let you do that kind of stuff quickly, totally from the content side of things. And um, in Arizona, there was a co-working space that started a group called Code Sisters. And I just decided, all right, I'm going to go show up this Code Sisters thing and do an introduction to JavaScript workshop because I have no idea what language I should learn. Um, I have no idea what I should do next or how to do it or anything, but I hear a lot about JavaScript, so I'm going to go. So a couple years ago, I went. And while I was there, um, it turned out that Women Who Code was there, Girls Who Code was there. It was a bunch of different groups. And so then I became introduced to this idea that there were these groups that were women-centric um, or doing this technology thing. I had been around other technical spaces before and didn't feel like just kind of felt like the odd duck or the square peg. And so I was looking for a space that if I was going to be a square peg, could I be comfortable there? Or it turns out we're all the same shape pegs when you <laughs> end up at Women Who Code. So... Um, so anyway, that all happened at the same time that I found out then that we were moving. So I only went to a couple of Code Sisters meetups. And then when I got here, I thought, well, I really need to rebuild my network. And um, I heard about Women Who Code. They had done a Denton meetup that I think was a one-off. There was someone who was going to organize them. She wasn't able to continue organizing them um, because of some demands on her time. But I met our senior director for DFW. And found and went to a couple of the North Dallas meetups and just kind of was like, well, I would really love to have this community in Denton. Do we need it in Denton? Could do the um, women on campus? Are they looking for something like this? And so I started talking with our senior director, Carol, 
to organize around here. And when you're involved in like a nonprofit space or a volunteer space, it is kind of like there are a lot of people who are really interested in oh yeah, we should do this thing over here. We should do this. We should have a meetup in Denton, but it takes people to do that. So Carol was kind of feeling me out like, yeah, are you interested in that? Where could we have it? Do you want to organize it? You could do that um, because she's busy. She's busy with her day job and organizing for the North Dallas meetup and that kind of thing. But, um, but I was passionate about it. So because in learning about being a part of a community, I, I learned that, um, sometimes I need to show up and make that community if I want to see it grow. And if it didn't quite exist here, it doesn't mean that that the women here weren't interested in it. But not always, not everyone always has the time to be that person to start it up. So I was like, all right, I'm going to try this. I want to do this, and um, and I had good support. I kind of felt out from meeting Carol and meeting the other women who run the meetups around DFW that they were in this together. They were going to support me. I could ask questions, that kind of thing. So I said all right, let's try this out here. And we started with a meetup on campus and then we um, Stoke opened and Kyle, you pointed me over here. A couple other people pointed me over here and thought this would be a really great space. There's some challenges with campus. Like, yeah, I could totally access space for free, but if you're not a part of uh, the, the university, whatever university it is, like parking on campus is hard, getting to the building is hard, all of those things that it's like, it's just better to have it somewhere that's more accessible in the community if you can do that, or at least uh, maybe not better, but I found that I think that our membership likes it better and it brings different people, including students, to the space. So we've been doing the meetup here since then. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've had that problem as tech mill for, you know, since we started. I mean, because in Denton, you're kind of limited to um, like a bar or a coffee shop or the Civic Center, which <laughs> would you would have to pay for and it's way over... I don't know, too much space, mm-hmm. right? So, um, yeah, so like once Stoke opened, it's like, hey, here's a building for tech that all of us can meet up at. Mm-hmm. Hey, look, now we have a projector and like a microphone mm-hmm. and like we can meet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's great. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so so you've been doing that for like a year and a half now? Just coming up like on that? a year as for being the Denton area director, yeah. Yeah, because I remember inviting Carol to boot our... our first no our second bootstrap denton mm-hmm. and i had her talk um and then i think after that is whenever they have how many of those events have you been to bootstrap denton once you went to the last one you spoke at our last one that was my first bootstrap that denton. was your first one mm-hmm. mm. we need to get better at this i think <laughs> should we are, are we supposed to have bootstrap like three times a year no or no that's fine <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a lot yeah so so um what kind of community support have you seen i mean because you know there's cindy tysinger with jasadi um who's very supportive like of all thing all things women in tech which is mm-hmm. great um so what what kind of uh i guess variety do you have coming to the meetups is it like professional like women in tech professionals students uh teachers like like who is coming um to the meetups all of the above all. <laughs> um and it so it reflects our larger membership uh i think pretty similarly we're like 30 percent women who are engineers software engineers developers like in their careers um mid 20s to mid 30s kind of looking for a community of women doing the same thing uh the other 30 percent new brand new coders women who are just women and men actually who are just really interested in technology um learning technology 
kind of wondering, maybe they're playing with HTML, CSS, or some online tutorials, but kind of wondering where to start or where to go next. Uh, some academics, designers, people like me. Um, who else? And then somebody else who kind of saw the, I, the abbreviation is WW code, and people will think it's like worldwide code or wicked weird code, whatever it is, and they had no idea it was um, a women-centric group, and they kind of show up to that kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, so so that's what I found with our membership, and I found um, maybe we have slightly more women who are interested or members who are interested in tech entrepreneurship here. That I think I've do- done the North Dallas meetup, and mm-hmm. um, and there are mo- more, probably more so just women developers working for corporations or companies or, and that kind of thing, a little bit less of that um, startup or I have an idea kind of that I see here. Right. Yeah. So Interesting. David, do you have any questions? Yeah, so. Yeah. I lost it. No, <laughs> I will have it. So um, I, like one of my agendas as being part of Tech Mills to say to people, you can be in tech without being a coder. And I don't want to insult you, but I, I feel that's where you're coming at it. Like when you were approaching JavaScript and mm-hmm. I, I don't know how many courses you've taken, but you don't do that every day. You mm-hmm. just called yourself a designer. So what would you say towards how people can be in tech without being that is how, how people, yeah. How can people fit <laughs> into tech without being a coder sitting at their computer, banging their head against the machine all day? That's our developer, right? So Adam, uh, where there are three partners, Ritha, who I mentioned is still in Arizona and Adam, he's the developer and I am, and we all design together. But, um, but I go tell people I built a game engine because they did from the design part of it, right? From the engaging a community part of it, from the figuring out from one step to the next, how is it going to work? That's my entry point. Now I teach HTML and CSS and I'm learning JavaScript and I want to teach JavaScript to um, journalists just to be at that. That's a literacy thing for me so that we can have this conversation, but I'm not a developer. I don't think I ever would be. I'm not sure that that particular thing is for me, but if there's some problem that you're interested in solving, then you're probably a designer, even if you don't know it yet, right? If you're trying to figure out how to do that, that's, to me, that that is what design is, um, and and so then if you learn some things that you need to know to solve that problem, I mean you're building a technology. It might be. I keep thinking about like my house and the dishes because <laughs> done yet, right? But if it's a system to keep your dishes clean, you have designed something, right? It's a technology that works for you in your house. Um, so there's that space, and and it. And I think that if that's something that's interesting to you, then being a part of it just means finding a cool group like Tech Mill or Women Who Code and showing up there mm-hmm. and um, and just kind of being willing to be a little vulnerable to say, I don't know, because I have to say that all the time. I have no idea how we're going to do this, but I'm really interested in figuring it out. And so if, you're, if you can't even say that second part, if you can just show up and say, I don't know, but something about this was interesting to me. Then I think if you come to groups like um, Tech Mill, Girl Develop It, Women Who Code, you're going to find other people who are very similarly minded, and um, and and you have no idea what crazy road that's going to take you down. But um, <laughs> but I just think, and I so I see this with my students. And that's the thing that I was passionate that makes me passionate about teaching design to journalists too. Is when I hear 
when I see the stories that they tell, they go out in the world and they find really interesting people or there's some really hard stuff happening and we need to make um, the world aware of it in our community. And, and that's what drives my students. But then I also hear from them, um, I don't tech, it's not for me. I'm like, I just wanna bridge that gap because it turns out, I think that it might be that, that the conventional curriculum wasn't designed for you, but that doesn't mean that this space is not for you. It just means that there's going to be another way. And if you're willing to um, kind of plow down that path, you will find it. It will happen. If you talk to enough people, it will happen for you. If that, if this is a thing that you're interested in, show up. It will happen for you. Right. And tech doesn't have to be, I interact only with a computer all the mm-hmm. time, like in your role as a designer mm-hmm. and figuring out what people need and probably watching people's interactions with the software and figuring out how you need to adapt it and everything. Uh, or project management, you're dealing with people, people mm-hmm. problems instead of computer problems. And mm-hmm. that's something that I want to emphasize also. You can be in tech and not have to only sit at your desk all day in Listen, a dark room. Adam builds the tool. He needs me to go out and work with the journalist to say, these are the eight things that don't work. I can make this list, right? And he he, he can have that conversation, but not all developers can have that conversation, right? right? And, and just because he can have that conversation doesn't mean it's the best use of his time, right? Likewise, I shouldn't be at the computer coding the solutions to our problem, right? So, but we work together to make this thing happen that we're really interested in. So, exactly, there are a lot of different spaces. And then the other place I think is choose. You can build a great thing, but if you don't have engaging content, then how are you going to meet your audience where they're at, right? That content is that place too. And so, I think that's another um, value that someone has to offer to tech, to technology, to building tools that maybe is not how they had thought about it before. But, you know, if you take some great pictures or you write some great headlines or you have a story idea or something like that, right, that we have to work together to make this thing happen. The, you know, otherwise it's an empty framework with no games in it, right? When I think about Story Builder, (laughs) um, you know, that kind of thing. So, And sometimes it's just be a normal person who doesn't have their head in so far in tech that they don't know what a normal person wants because <laughs> Kyle and I are in the minority in the population of the United mm-hmm. States sitting at our computers coding all day. And so it's having a real person. That's what Brandy does for me. Mm-hmm. And she also does the talking to people thing. So I don't have to also, and it's just, <laughs> we make a great team and like, and mm-hmm. she is in tech, even though she hates tech in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, but she still contributes to it. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so I have a, uh, this is a, a a question for you as a designer and how you can help me frame it or approach this problem I have. So I um, am a facilitator and I organize these events called Startup Weekend, right? I've been a facilitator for four, five years now. And um, what Startup Weekend is, is that we're, you show up with an idea and you have uh, 54 hours to build a company over a weekend, right? So you show up, you have 60 seconds to pitch your idea, you pitch it, everyone there votes on it, and then you kind of like boil the the ideas down into um, a manageable number of teams. So for example, I went to Tampa in November and we had like 70 something pitches, which is an absurd number of pitches. Um, <laughs> so you obviously can't have 70 something teams, but we boiled it down to about 16 teams um, and we had over... 100 attendees, I think. So, um, and what happens at these events is that um, we label everyone with a background, right? So, either you are a developer 
a non-technical, so like biz dev, marketing, whatever, and then a designer. And every, and this is a consistent pattern across all events I've ever organized or facilitated. Um, you may have, say if we had 60, 60 people, you may have two or three, maybe four designers in the entire room. It's mostly probably 50%, 50 to 55% biz dev, and then like another 40 to 45% developers and then like that last whatever percent is left over to as far as i'm concerned oh <laughs> designers and most of the time when i ask we, we try and reach out to designers because it's a really big component because there are three pillars that you're graded on at the end so on sunday you there's a judging panel and you have to have uh three to four main things you have to have figured out a way to make money so there's kind of like a uh execution or like a business part there's execution, which is in tech, like technical. Did you build something, write some software? And then uh, design execution. Did you, does it look good? Is it usable? Um, and then did you have like a business plan? So how did you make money, business plan, things like that? And so a lot of the teams usually lack some kind of design component and at that point. And when we try to talk to designers, it's, it's a, when I work, like I work in open source, David, do you work in open source? I use open source. He uses open source. <laughs> so so when I work in open source, if I get a request from a client or I need to build something, um, if that is benefit to the larger audience, I have no problem writing that code and contributing back to other people because I am literally, like we're all building on the shoulders of giants, right? So mm -hmm. I did not build Drupal, but I will sell it, <laughs> you know? And so I have no problem contributing it back. But a lot of feedback I get from designers is that they feel like, uh, they're just being used for work over the weekend instead of kind of taking that as an opportunity to build something new and like actually kind of, you know, develop their own concept of, of a company. Um, so w how do you think we can get more designers involved in, um, you know, maybe this tech scene or like the startup scene and not seen as like, like make them feel like they're just there for their work? You know what I mean? This is a long story. This is a hard question to answer, <laughs> right? Because my orientation is similar, but I maybe because it's the kind of mutt that I am, how I came into design, like I've had this sort of roundabout journey all the way around to um, getting here. Um, I'm one of those like jump in and let's do it kind of people. And I haven't, and I'm around a lot of that. I feel mm -hmm. like I'm, so that makes me struggle to kind of answer that question. Um, I wonder if... This just comes from working with other designers, though. Uh, it can be taken for granted how much work it takes to generate that creative, right? It's like, oh, we're just, you know, can you just throw this layout together? Can you just make this logo real quick, right? Like, And I don't know why. Um, and I'm even guilty of it. And then you're coming back and you're like, oh, this looks okay, but like, the way it feels for a designer can be kind of like, let's punch out the bottom floor, right? Let's punch out the foundation, just change that thing really quick. And so um, all that to say is maybe they're a little hurt. I don't know, <laughs> right? But not illegitimately, right? Just because of sort of a culture and approach to how we think about designers and what they do. Um, but I never thought about it. It's like such a good question. So now I'm just kind of like trying to figure out like how can we, is there a space where we can sort of engage people differently to say like, let's contribute work together because what you do is really valuable and we need it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it's, I mean, if, if you compare it to like a developer, you know, and like I've been, 
I have been known to design things uh, a time or two, um, and I will spend eight hours just finding a font, right? Like, you know, lobster. That's when you're committed, you're really into it, and you're like, had no idea typography was such an... Yeah, yeah. I mean, so for example, last week I was in Baltimore uh, for a conference, and I thought I was just going to go to the conference, go to sessions, it's going to be great. No, I ended up spending about over 20 hours designing a pop-up banner for a conference my company had to go to this week, right? (laughs) So, So I understand, like, like you're you're literally creating something from nothing, and if you compare that to a developer, like you don't like you would never go to a developer and just say make something, and they're like, well, you have to tell me what it does, right, in order for me to make it, right. So if you told me I need you to have a form that you upload a file and then it gets processed and does whatever, like yeah, we can build that because we know what you just described, right. But when you tell a designer, can you make me like a horse, but it's not a horse, it looks more like a cat. Uh, but there's a guy riding on it with like a flaming sword maybe. And then like, maybe you get an illustration back to like, mm, it really needs, I need more pop. <laughs> you know? like, right. And like, meanwhile, the designer's thinking, but what are you really trying to do? Right. <laughs> right. Cause part of their job should be to figure out what your problem is mm-hmm. and solving it probably. And, and so it's interesting though, because there are sites out there like dribble, right. Where you can share like you build a portfolio. And so that is part of the community of building that portfolio because that's part of what open source is also is saying, hey, I can do stuff, look. Um, and so that's interesting that they don't want to contribute. I wonder if there's like it's a, a riddle. Is there like a Git, like a GitHub for like designers? So like you can act, you know, like I can contribute code and like other people can look at that code and edit that code. But can I like upload a design and like other people like modify and ship it back to the same project like that would be that would be kind of cool that would be kind of cool okay guys we're starting turn off the mics (laughs) (laughs) yeah i like it i really like it um but I don't know. Like, I'm always going to Pinterest <laughs> to look for design ideas. There was another one that you told me about a while, or we were at a Tecmo workshop. Fiverr? No. Mm. I think it was like UX Pin. Is that what it's oh, called? UX Pin. Right? Yeah, to kind of look of at how something mm-hmm. is laid out. And, um, but um, I wonder if it's like, communicating some constraints so designer knows what to expect because that's mm-hmm. a big thing right like if you can say to his designer just like if you can say to a developer like here's i have if i know a font like i love working for a brand that exists there's a system to jump into and i can do something with that versus starting from scratch um so i wonder if some of that would help but that's hard to do when you don't know the 70 ideas that are going to be pitched right. till you get yeah. there yeah, because yeah. well, and they have font, palette, and all these yeah. other things, and then they're trying to please you. And it's like, oh, I didn't know you hate green. Sorry. <laughs> Can you make that yeah. black yeah. darker? <laughs> yeah, everything should have a border. Yes. <laughs> oh well, David, do you have any? I, I think we need to do more research into your question though, and figure out. It's yeah. an interesting question. It is yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, there. I'll, I'll send it to you guys later, and we'll put it in the show notes. Um, there was actually a a. A designer who had went to Startup Weekend and, and goes to Startup Weekends had made a poster or a, a presentation of some kind, kind of speaking to other designers of why they should go. Mm-hmm. And I think the the main argument was, um, don't go there, don't go into it thinking you're being used for labor, mm-hmm. right? Go into it to find a new experience, 
to uh, learn something new because mm-hmm. that's usually what we tell everyone. Like if you're a developer and you go to Startup Weekend, don't think that all these like idea people are going to like just use you for your your code. Like you should use the opportunity to maybe learn a new language or learn a new framework while you're there. Um, yeah, it, it they had a, a couple interesting points that I think we can draw into. But yeah, it's a... Uh, it's an interesting challenge. And also finding this open source for design tool, because if it doesn't exist, oh, I know. we could start another business. Do <laughs> <laughs> you have any grant money left? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm always applying, so surely one of those fish will come back with the net. So. Um, so, so I think I think it's time for the last question. Yeah, so we're getting tight on time, so okay. we will jump to the last one. So this is a very broad question. You mm-hmm. can answer it however your gut tells you to. <laughs> mm. What advice would you give someone starting out in the industry or still in school to get where you are at today? Showing up. That's mm. the thing. Showing up. And um, even if you can't, see it today. This is the thing that took me a while to get to the place where I could articulate it. You have something to contribute. So show up not only for yourself, because there's something there for you that you might be interested in. So if you're willing to be a little vulnerable and go there and say, hey, I'm interested in this thing, who can tell me about that? It turns out that who you are is interesting and the other people in the room will get something out of meeting you. That's the that I some people told me that And so I think that was the best advice I got. All the rest of it is just kind of fill in the blanks. We all have, um, right? We're all that empty form field and we're just kind of figuring out what we're interested in so we can put the content into those fields. So that part like doesn't matter as much as being willing to go there. The other thing you might figure out is what's not for you. So you could show up in a place and figure out that that's not for you, but then you're faster on your journey to figure out what is. So I think... um, it's not don't be afraid to show up because I haven't figured out how to do that. I get pretty anxious, <laughs> but do it anyway because um, that's kind of like what bravery looks like. And also, um, even if you're not sure what it is you have to contribute, just know that you do have something to contribute. So when you show up and you talk to people and you meet, they ha- they are that's a benefit to them as well. And and in Denton, it couldn't be easier. You just show up for somewhere. real. Everyone's friendly. They For just real. say hi. And you, they <laughs> I know that you. from experience, like, yeah. right? Because I got here two years ago. And <laughs> I got here two years ago and look at me now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Found some meetup and went to this place and all the people there were cool, right? Yeah. And so, and and that was Tech Mill. And then also, right, Women Who Code. I had heard about it. I needed to rebuild a network and bam, 80,000 women in my network. Look at that. So. That's cool. Oh, so, yeah. All right. Well, I think that's it for today. Is that, that that's good? That's it. David, can I ask you a question? What happened to your light switch? <laughs> is that a podcast story? Was that a bad that a, day? I, just, <laughs> I've been staring at it this whole time. For the people the light switch has been punched out of the wall. <laughs> it has not been punched. Actually, I had to use, so I don't have a screwdriver up here, so I used a tape measure and my fingernails to remove it. So the lights in here have, they're like eco-friendly switches, but we don't want our lights on most of the time because they're overhead fluorescents, and I hate overhead fluorescent lights. And so if you hold it down they turn off but you can't turn them back on unless you take the light switch out you swap the two connections plug them in in the wrong direction then the light switch the lights come back on and i've had to do that recently because people were taking photos of us so, <laughs> so this is another example of why 
tech needs storytellers because my story was better than yours. <laughs> Chuck Norris punched the light switch out of the wall. <laughs> this is what we call a clickbait. <laughs> so. Find out what happened to David's light mm-hmm. switch. Mm-hmm. So, so if anyone in Denton or uh, on the internet wants to get a hold of you, if you would like for them to get a hold of you, how would they do that? <laughs> A good question. I'm on um, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. I'm across social media, and my handle is at wakeuplaughing, all one word, all lowercase, <laughs> all of that. Um, you can, my website, uh, juliejames.com, but actually go to playablemedia.com or .org. Go to playablemedia.org and sign up for the Story Builder and make games, and then email me and, and or find me on Twitter and tell me about your games. Sweet. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, this is fun. And that'll all be in the show notes. That'll be all, all be in the show notes. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was yeah, really cool. To thanks chat. for being on. Uh, so once again, this is the Tech Mom Podcast. We do this every two weeks or so. Uh, we're on except I- during Lent. Except during Lent. Uh, you can find us on iTunes and we're on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash techmildenton. And uh, yeah, like and subscribe and all those other fun things. Bye. 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 Are we on air yet? Uh, I'm doing a test record right now. Okay. This might be in the outtakes. Right? Just so you I know, tried so to be careful yeah. what you say. It reminds me of broadcasting school where they told us like you're on camera all the time. <laughs> it's never off. So they would ding you for like cussing in the hallways and stuff like yeah. that. <laughs>